Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,964. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, which I hear is a little bit chilly, with a very special guest by the name of Maggie Pagesic. Maggie, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yes. Hi, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Good to have you here. We're going to do a little learning today about how to uh, speak to people, maybe some sales training here, which I'm excited about. But before I give you a proper introduction, what's one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you, Maggie? Well, maybe that I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. <laughs> oh, okay. Star now the old original Star Wars, yeah, way back. Oh, yeah. My siblings are older. I'm the baby, and so you know that's what I grew up watching was Star Wars, and I was really excited when they kind of redid it. Most recently, not the ones in the late '90s; those weren't so great. But um, you know, the newer ones I thought were really good. But yeah, I'm a I'm a big Star Wars nerd, and I quote Yoda all the time and people tease me. <laughs> all of my coaches call me Master Yoda as a joke. So. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> well, you know, it's amazing that franchise, how that thing just exploded. And if you go back and study the or origins of it, it was really one of those things that a lot of people thought no one's going to be interested in this. I know. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. But oh, yep. man, it's just, it's gone crazy. Well, mm -hmm. well, very cool, Master Yoda. We will learn something <laughs> from you today. Let me give you a proper introduction. Maggie, you Pogesic is an expert in automotive call training, specifically focused on the subprime buy here, pay here market. As a partner at CNM Coaching, she's developed training material, word tracks, and processes that help improve overall call quality for sales, collection service, and BDC departments. For over 10 years, she has trained thousands of people how to execute these techniques to accomplish their phone call goals and make it enjoyable for the caller's customers as well. Maggie has published material in Dealer Used Car Magazine, as well as BHPH Used Car Magazine, and has spoken at previous NIADA conferences. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our valued sponsor, so give them a little listen. We'll be right back. Covercraft's newest three-layer all-climate cover is especially engineered for moderate weather conditions and it's treated with an extra UV-resistant formula. It's soft, it's breathable, and it's easy to store, all while pampering your paint, providing maximum UV rain and dust protection. If you live where it's windy, no worries. Simply add their gust guards for windy conditions to add extra protection to keep your cover in place. Your three-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form and fit with the quality and attention to detail that's been their tradition since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft, too. Every one of my vehicles is protected with a Covercraft cover. And I have a deal for you. Use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21, at Covercraft.com, and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right. So get 10% off with free shipping by simply using the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. When it was time to renew my collector car policy, my carrier raised my rates by a lot. 
But why? My usage was the same, my car's value was the same, and I had never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. The only change was their rate, and they had no reason why. What's with that? I researched my options, I spoke to others, and with American Collectors Insurance is where I now have my policy. What a difference. A live person actually answers the phone. She spent time learning about me and my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my Orange Crush, and provided a reasonable quote. American Collectors Insurance now protects my special ride. I'm saving hundreds of dollars and I can sleep at night knowing my baby is properly insured. Why wait until your next premium is due? Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote. Call 866-AC1-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine. Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. So Maggie, we're back. So we're going to dig a little deeper into this world of yours. You're uh, somewhat of a unique guest here on Cars Yeah because most of my guests are all my guests are associated with the car industry. You are as well, but in a very different way. And what I'm hoping today is some of the things that you teach us could be translated to people that perhaps aren't working as salespeople on phones, but still have to communicate because that's what life is all about, right? So grab the wheel. Tell me a little bit about your history and about what you do. Well, I started working when I was very young. I was about 13 years old when I got my first job, and I worked at a very famous grocery store called The Elegant Farmer, which was famous for their apple pies baked in a paper bag. And so I worked in customer service, you know, at a very early age, and I it got my first real job working in an office when I was about 18 years old. And one of the things that that specific office really focused on was customer service. And they were huge on it. We used to go to seminars and different things all the time. And we would have coaches that would kind of guide us through how to handle a phone call properly, which eventually transpired into me working for a company that started coaching automotive sales calls. So basically their goal was to train salespeople how to be more effective and more efficient on the phone while still providing great customer service. And I did that for about five years uh, and then left there and started my own company. And here we are today where we basically train dealerships how to practice active listening with their customers on the phone. (laughs) So they're paying attention to what the customer says and what the customer needs. And then we help them focus on how to accomplish those goals so that they can help the customer, you know, whether it's purchasing a vehicle or whether they are a challenge credit customer and they really need help getting financing, we try to help them get from A to B while being respectful and providing good customer service and building a relationship with the customer so that we can focus on, you know, what they are and meeting their needs. Yeah. You know, this is so interesting and it's very important for today's marketplace because the car industry has radically changed from the old days of walking having to walk into a dealership and talking to that guy with the polyester tie and the, <laughs> and the slicked back hair and you always felt like you're getting shook down or something and you just want to walk away and uh-huh. go oh this is no fun to or a newspaper uh yeah exactly yeah, to the in a car in a newspaper <laughs> oh yeah to the well-informed buyer nowadays which is a big part of it i worked in a company where we had a call center. We were a direct mail catalog industry before the Mm. internet. And I didn't know anything about training people on phones. But one of the things that I did know is how I wanted to be 
treated when I called in. And you said a few things that are really resonate with me. One is being an active listener and being present in the moment Mm -hmm. so that when that customer is telling you something, you really listen to them. And that's hard for some people, right? Oh, for sure it is. I mean, even something as simple as a customer starting the conversation off with, hi, Mark, my name is Maggie. I got a quick question for you about this. And Paula, I see parked outside. And then, you know, 15 seconds into the call, the salesperson says, and what's your name? It's like, what? I just told you. (laughs) Yeah. So that just something simple like that, or even now, what vehicle was it? You know, just not being prepared Mm -hmm. with a little notepad right there to write down the questions or the vehicle or the customer's name. These are really easy things that you can do to help get the relationship rolling right out of the gate. And they're often things that people overlook because we're multitasking. And as we know, multitasking isn't a real thing. No one successfully can do it. Your brain can't work that way. So you really should be focused on the phone and not whatever else it is that you're doing that you're missing those key things that customer saying to you in those first few seconds of the call. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Multitasking. I think that was invented by some business person that thought he could <laughs> give five jobs to one person and they could all be right. done well. Yeah. Cause that was a big thing back in the day. Like, oh, you can multitask. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I ran the call center, there's a couple things that I did that I learned from other people. One was I put a mirror on every one of the computer screens for all our customer service. Hey, reps. now don't be giving away my trick. Well, you know, <laughs> somebody told me that and I said, why do they want to look at themselves? And mm-hmm. he said, because they should always be smiling. Because yeah. people can hear that through. And I try to practice that when I'm on the show is smile, smile, smile. Mm-hmm. People can can hear that. Uh, the other thing was, I finally got to the point where I said, look, there's only three things you need to do with those challenging customers, people who are upset about something. Mm-hmm. Listen, it's, it goes back to Stephen Covey's fifth habit. Listen to understand, then speak to be understood. But more importantly, listen to the customer, don't speak, and then ask them, what can I do to help you today? And then do it. Simple. Just do it because most people don't ask for crazy stuff. Now, maybe that's changed. I don't know. So, (laughs) so, so one of the, so, so what are some of those techniques you might share with our listeners today? Even if they're not salespeople, but they do, we all have to communicate with people every day, hopefully more on the phone than texting, which has become the new norm, which has its, that has its whole other connotations, right? I mean, mm, you know, people mm-hmm. and companies are trying to get us to chat with them all the time. Like, I don't want to chat on the computer. I want to <laughs> speak with you. So get, yep. give us a few tips and tricks that you think can translate to people in all respects of communication. Well, you, you mentioned probably one of the biggest, which is voice inflection. Mm. Whatever expression is on your face is how your voice is going to sound. And it's going to sort of dictate how that other person feels about your business. So, you know, let's just say you answer the phone. Thanks for calling ABC Motors. This is <laughs> yeah. Maggie. How is can it? I help you? I'm really happy right? to be Yeah, here. <laughs> like, oh, I can't wait to talk to this person, you know, versus thank you for calling ABC Motors. This is Maggie. How can mm-hmm. I help you? So huge difference, same thing, huge difference. So how you sound plays a major role in the customer's first impression. You know, studies have shown we've got five to 10 seconds and that's it. It's locked in. They know how they feel about you already. So you really need to be careful with those first few seconds of the conversation. And then the second thing I would say is definitely have a notepad nearby. Unless you have, you know, some sort of amazing memory, you should write some things down. That way you can reference them throughout the call. And no matter what it is that you do, if you're selling something, your customer's going to give you a lot of vocal cues early on in the call. What they need, they're going to tell you what they need. They're going to tell you when they need it, how they need it, how you can help them as soon as you finish your greeting. 
that's where they're going to spill their guts, right? So write it down, pay attention, and make sure that you always revert back to those things that they've said early on because you can actually use that information to accomplish your goal, whatever it might be. Oh, absolutely. I've had several coaches on this show. One that comes to mind is Kathy Droz. She's a specialist in helping women sell vehicles in person on the floor to specifically other women. Because Mm -hmm. dealing with women buying cars versus men buying cars, and men typically are the salespeople in most car dealerships, they were never trained how to work better with a female customer. And many times they will ignore the woman who's standing next to the man and focus on the man and do nothing but upset the woman who's making maybe more than 50% of this decision process. Yes. That's actually happened to me personally when I bought my last vehicle. Uh, The gentleman who was over the dealership and brings you back and tries to sell you a bunch of warranties and (laughs) things would only talk to my husband. And finally, (laughs) I just stood up and said, we don't want any of this. So you can sell us the car and we can go because he was purposely ignoring me. And it happens all the time. And, you know, as a female trainer, it's something I experience quite often because the majority of people in the automotive industry are male. And uh, here comes this woman. She's going to tell you what to say and what to do on the phone. Who does she think she is? So, you know, it is a really common thing. So that's amazing that she focuses on that because it's definitely well needed in this industry. We don't have enough women. A lot of times the hours are really demanding. And so that's a challenge, you know, for women in general. And I think that it's really a good thing to have somebody else in your corner to help show you how to sell cars in person when you're competing with a male dominant industry. Oh, absolutely. Now, another past guest comes to mind, Russell Flurry, who is a specialist in coaching people who sell high-end automobiles. Mm. We're talking about Mm -hmm. Lamborghini, Ferrari, Porsche, Mercedes-Benz. And one of the things he said one time was he had a salesperson who called him and said, I'm having real difficulty with one of my clients. He can't decide between two Ferrari models. And Russell said, sell them both. And and the guy said, what? And he said, look, nobody buys a Ferrari because they have to. It's a dream. Double his dream. That's amazing. And guess what? The guy called the guy back and he doubled his dream. That's amazing. The reason I bring that up is that's leading to know your client. And I'm wondering, what are some things that people can do when they're talking on the phone with somebody to better know who they're talking to and what their needs are? We already mentioned one, simply listen. Right. I like to encourage people to ask choice-based questions depending on what it is the customer is looking for information on. For example, if they're calling up to buy a vehicle, and I know times are really hard right now because of the vehicle shortages and things like that. If it was a regular time, it's a whole lot easier to do some of this stuff. But when you have limited inventory or like some dealerships I've talked to recently have no inventory at all, they're lucky if they have one car that you can test drive and then you have to come in and order. But Choice-based questions are really the best way to figure out what they need. And it also allows you to stay in control of the conversation so that you're not putting yourself in a position where you your customer wants the unicorn, the vehicle that doesn't exist. Um, you know, I want purple interior with pink polka dots. We don't have those things. <laughs> so it's important to, to use choices to stay in control. But not only does that help you control the call and figure out what they need, but it also boosts your customer's confidence and your ability to get them what they need. And that's what matters. You, they, if they don't feel confident that you can find them the perfect car, why would they buy from you? Exactly. Now, the industry is radically changed. And that means a lot of people are buying cars in very different ways these days. How has that required you to adjust the way you coach people to help other people accomplish their needs? 
so, you know, it's really difficult in the new car sector as of right now. We try to get people to come in and order their vehicles. You really don't have a choice. It's the only way to kind of get a new car from certain manufacturers. Now, some don't have any problems at all. Everything's fine. But certain manufacturers are struggling a little bit with that. So we kind of have to change how we're going to be helping them. During the pandemic, a lot of places were trying to do more of an online approach, which is something that I've been teaching how to do for the decade. Like, I learned how to do that 10 years ago. So it's really it was really easy for me to show people how to do more of an online purchase. And that's really been, I would say, the biggest, even aside from the vehicle shortage, is how do I sell cars from my office while that person is at home so that we don't have to have this, you know, interaction and we don't have to spread germs and all that other horrible, (laughs) you know, stuff that was going on. So I think that's been the biggest challenge is people are trying to offer more options online. They're trying to offer vehicle delivery. And so we've had to just sort of adjust some of the word tracks that we're teaching them so that we can accomplish those goals. Now, there are still a lot of people that are old school and they don't want to do the stuff over the internet. They want to come in and that's fine as well. So it's a matter of making sure that you're flexible and you're offering what you're customer wants and that you're there for both models. What's the most rewarding thing for you in the career you've chosen? I think really the best thing is when you get that email from somebody that you've helped or somebody that was really struggling to sell anything or even struggling with their basic phone skills. Like I can't get anyone's contact information. And then you work with them very closely and then they email you and they're like, look, I finally have done it. I, you know, I sold my first car or I got my first 25 appointments and 10 showed. Those are the things that make it worth it because you know that in turn that goes back into their home because the more customers they bring in the door, the more cars they sell, the more money they make and it's more beneficial for them. So I think for me, that's what it's really about is making sure that you're helping dealers and even owners. I work really closely with dealership owners most of the time. Mm. And they go, hey, I'm selling 50 cars a month. I really want to double that. And then when they do, and they're just so grateful that you've helped them do that, that's what makes it worth it. What are some of the key things that in your coaching that are reoccurring challenges for people to learn? Probably making sure that they're just phrasing things properly there I would say there's probably two number one is asking way too many open-ended questions that can get you into trouble Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, we see a lot of that you know just rabbit holes asking someone how are you doing today and it's not that you don't care it's that they're going to tell you and this could potentially make your conversation 10 minutes longer than necessary and while those things are important they're really meant for in person and not so much phone And then the second thing I would say is responding to internet leads. And I can't stress this one enough. If someone submits an online request, call them back. All too often, I see them just completely ignored. You can have a store that doesn't even know how to access their internet leads. And so people are submitting requests for information and no one is responding to them. So of course, the customer is just going to think they don't want their business when that's not the case. And a lot of times owners directly don't mystery shop themselves or their own staff. So they don't know that their staff isn't calling these customers. So I think that there's really, you you got to make sure that you're controlling your conversation. You're not asking too many open-ended questions and respond to your internet leads in a, in a timely manner so that they know that you do care about earning their business. So let's flip this a little bit. If I'm calling in to get questions, try to buy a vehicle or so forth, and the person on, or this could be for any product I want to buy or mm-hmm. anything. And the product, the person on the other end has not been coached by Maggie and is not very good. What are some things that a consumer can do to help 
themselves with the person who's not being as helpful as they wish they were. Right. Yeah. So I found that being very direct is going to be the easiest way to get your message across. This is what I need. This is when I need it. Can you do these things for me? And if not, you have to ask for someone else to help you. It is definitely something where a lot of times a consumer will carry the conversation when that isn't the way that it should be. The person selling the product should be carrying the conversation. So sometimes you have to be really direct and ask your own questions, which might get that representative into trouble because they might get backed into a corner and not have an answer for you. But that's honestly, you know, part of the reason that I encourage people to train because you don't want that to happen. So, you know, if you do get backed up into a corner and you don't have answers for information, you can just say, you know, I apologize. I don't have that information in front of me, but I'd be happy to get it. Mm -hmm. But as a person on the other end of the line that's trying to ask questions, it can be very frustrating when they're not responding to you appropriately. So I like to be direct. I like to ask my questions, you know, directly and make sure I'm getting my message across and letting them know this is what I need. This is what I expect. Can you do this for me or do I need to find somebody who can? And be friendly while you're doing it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you don't want to come out of the gate like attacking them fangs out. Uh, Of course, sometimes you don't have a choice if they're not listening and I have to be like, can you help me or no? (laughs) Yes, or I really need to speak to somebody else right now. Yes. Please. Yeah, exactly. Has there been a driving inspiration in your life, a mentor, someone who's been very influential and helpful to you? I would say that there's not one specific person. For me, it's really my team, my people that I work with, my coaches, my coaching assistant, and also like my business partner because we all work together so well. And I think that if you don't have a really good team behind you, especially in our industry where we literally are providing a service for other clients, I'm only as good as my team. So if my team isn't amazing, then my company isn't amazing. And I think a lot of times, that especially now, it's hard for people to find great great team members. And I have the best team available on the planet. I'm quite confident in everything that they do. And when they're the ones getting those emails from the people that they're training about how much they've impacted their lives, that just reflects back on us. And we're a really big, you know, group. And I think it's really important that you have people that that work for you, that treat the clients the way that you want their, you know, your clients to be treated and and that's my team. So they inspire me every day to want to do more and, and build the business bigger. Well, I would think that is so appropriate because the key in all of what we're talking about today is proper communication, clear, concise, proper communication. And so many businesses you walk into, you realize, <laughs> do any, does anybody here speak with anybody else? I know. <laughs> There's just, it's really a sad <laughs> situation. So I would assume the best advice you would offer people that want to be better at what they're doing, anything is coaching, right? Find a great coach, find someone who can teach you great things. Mm-hmm. Yes. And even sometimes it's a coworker, you know, somebody with experience that's done things before. I mean, I see a lot of times when we're dealing with salespeople or a new salesperson starts, there's that direct competition. And so they're not always willing to lend a hand to the other salesperson because it's a dog eat dog world a lot of times, especially if you're working in a full commission place. So I think, though, that it is really important that everybody work together, even if you are a commission dealership, one salesperson's success is also your success because you all work for the same place. So the reputation of the business as a whole rests on everyone who works there. So find someone you know, that knows exactly what they're doing and learn from them. And yeah, you can tweak it and apply your own techniques and things like that to make it your own. But there are 
processes and the right way to do things. You just need to find those people in your life that know what those things are. And if not, there's plenty of podcasts and, you know, free videos and YouTube information out there. But learning is going to be the best possible thing you can do if you're looking to grow yourself and improve your phone calls, no matter what it is that you're selling. Absolutely. We'll take a short break and thank our sponsors. We come back. I've got the challenge question for you. So sit tight, keep the seatbelts locked and loaded. We'll be right back. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. So let's talk about this challenge question. I asked all my guests to share a huge challenge they faced in your life. But more importantly, how did they overcome it? And what was that learning lesson that was so valuable? I mean, you help people overcome challenges every day and help them grow and learn from those challenges so they can improve. Can you share one that was uh, particularly challenging for you? You know, there, there is definitely a couple, but I say one of the biggest is probably something we talked about earlier, which is being a woman in the automotive industry, which isn't necessarily something that I have overcome, more so learned how to deal with. I have, you know, experiences where I was training a specific gentleman who thought it would be appropriate to ask how old I was. He thought that there was something related to the fact that I was a woman and I looked young, that I didn't have enough experience to be training him. And he basically came out and said that and sort of ended it with, and how old are you anyways? And I said, he was a, a big fan of another famous automotive trainer that was a man. And I basically asked him, would you ask so-and-so how old he is? Um, or are you just asking me this because I am a woman? And we both know what the answer was. But a matter of trying to stay calm in that specific situation, because I did feel personally attacked, because he was personally attacking me, to take a second and go, all right, this is about his issues with someone else trying to teach him something that he thinks he already knows. This is nothing about that I've done wrong. And remembering that a lot of time it's just a reflection of themselves. It has nothing to do with you. And then removing yourself from the situation to stay calm. It was hard. I am not going to lie. I am a fiery redhead. (laughs) And he did personally attack me. That's how I felt. And we were on the phone. And so it wasn't like we were in person, but it happens quite frequently where I can walk into a room because we also do on-site training and the whole room, there'll be maybe one or two women in the room and the most of them are men. And they do question it because I do look a little bit younger, but you know, I've heard hundreds of thousands of phone calls in my career. And so I can tell you pretty much anything that you want to know by listening to a conversation, the mistakes that you made, the things you did right, uh, where you need to improve, how you can improve. And so I think We need to stop sort of that judging about gender in the automotive industry and just 
learn from each other. I mean, I, I don't, I really still don't understand what the big deal is. So I think for me, it was, it was that it was being a woman and, and that specific situation still gets to me to this day. And <laughs> yeah. that was about three years ago. <laughs> yeah. We're still talking about it. Well, I you understand. Let's talk a little bit about cars. I, I would assume you're a bit of a car gal, perhaps you like automobiles. I do. There yes. you go. Perfect. So let's talk about a special car, truck, or bike in your life. What was it? And maybe share a story about that ride. So the first car that I ever bought with my own money was a 2001 Mitsubishi Eclipse that I was like 20 years old and I was so excited. I bought this car and it wasn't even the color I wanted, but it was the only one that had on the lot. And I was so excited. I just bought it. It was silver. And I actually met my husband when I was driving that car. And that was one of the first things he noticed was that I <laughs> had a nice car. My husband's a mechanic. And so he is also in the automotive industry. So he was you know, shocked by that. But the funny thing is, is that I actually sold the car to my sister when I had kids because you cannot fit a car seat in the back of an no, Eclipse. not very well. And she still drives it to this day. And it's actually in really amazing shape for being here in Wisconsin because it's been garage kept its whole life. But that car is now 20 years old and can officially get collector's plates. And it's still on the road. Still on the road. <laughs> well, that's a testament to having a, uh, when you owned it, a husband who was a mechanic who uh, yes. knew how to keep things <laughs> fixed and, and corrected. And uh, the fact that your sister's uh, taking care of your first chair car. So that's kind of My nice too, car. all in the yeah. family. So I'm going to be your automotive psychologist. This is a bit of what you are for people when you train them is you're kind of getting into their head and helping them understand things. If you were manifest as a vehicle, Maggie, what would you be? But more importantly, why? So this was, you know, this is a difficult question, I think, because there's a lot of really amazing cars out there, but I am a big Chevy fan and I think probably if I was going to be something, I would probably be a fast ZL1 Camaro. Ooh. Probably, you know, partially because they, they do go, you know, zero to 60 in <laughs> five seconds, <laughs> which is probably something that is slightly like my personality, as I referenced I earlier. I sense that. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> the fiery redhead reference works. Yeah, the, you would probably be a red ZL1. But, you know, I think too, like, you know, I'm fairly bold. I'm really not shy. I really like to get to the point quickly. I don't really want to beat around the bush. I want to get things done. And, you know, I, I want to look good while I do it. Yeah. Uh, perfect. I'd pick the Camaro. I think so. That kind of <laughs> works. That's the uh, the Camaro is a car I took my uh, driver's test in. I had a friend. Oh, really? Up, yeah, a friend up the street. His dad owned a Chevy dealership. And he said, hey, Mark, uh, I know you're going to get your driver's license. How about if I give you a cool car to do that in? A Z28. Oh, yes. And I'll tell you, when the guy came out with the clipboard to have me take him for a ride, he just gives the car a big look over, gets in the car and looks at me and goes, this is your car, kid. And I said, no, sir, this wow. is a, a, a loaner from a friend of mine who owns a dealership. And he said, if I pass, I can drive it for a week. And he said, you better pass. <laughs> so, did you? I did. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. I think his, I think my neighbor's idea was my parents were going to somehow buy me that car, which is absolutely not going to ever happen. But uh, <laughs> for a week, I felt like a king. That's a great story. That uh, was fun. Yeah, it was good. Good memory. Mike Brown, we've long since lost him, but he was a very nice guy. Uh, he did a lot of nice things for me. Now, you obviously, I always ask people about how they give back. You give back every day. Your whole business is about giving back, right? Yeah, it really is. I mean, we really try to show people what their weaknesses are and then try to help them provide solutions to overcome those so that they can be better on the phone. And also just for your customer's perspective of your overall business to help improve that first impression in your demographic. 
Perfect. I like to ask my guests about a great book reference. Maybe there's one out there that would be a great training book reference for you, but it doesn't matter what kind of book it is. What what would you like to recommend today? Well, actually, I did read Jordan Belfort's book, you know, The Wolf of Wall Street, and that was actually a really good book. There was some stuff in there that didn't pertain to me, but I actually really enjoyed the book. I thought it was really interesting how he came up with the straight line system. And it was funny when I was listening to it because I listened to it on an audiobook as I was flying. And I thought it was very interesting how all of the stuff he was saying really applied to things that most salespeople already do. They just don't realize that they're doing it. And so I really found that book to be very, now he does a lot, he did a lot of things that were of course illegal and wrong, Uh, but his psychology behind a lot of things and the fact that he talks about those first five seconds and that first impression and, you know, the handshake and the introduction and not talking about the weather with somebody who's trying to buy a product from you because they don't care about it. All of that kind of made a lot of sense. And so I think there, even though there are some crazy things that he did, there are still some really good things about his business strategies that do make a lot of sense. And they're literally just bare bones, really simple things that you can follow. So I do recommend that people read that book. Sell me this pen. Yeah, I know, (laughs) right? It's crazy. But you know, one of the things that he does talk about, if you've seen the movie, they, they play this part out in the movie where he says, what are your objections? And he writes them all down on the whiteboard. And then he comes up with rebuttals to all of those objections. And that's actually something that we do and we've been doing for 10 years is what are the most common objections that you hear in your industry, whatever that might be. And then we help them write rebuttals to that to help answer the customer's question, but also move the conversation forward. So I loved that specific part because that is something you have to do because when you are selling something there are going to be hurdles and obstacles and you need to have prepared something to say in response yeah i remember uh, back in the day getting phone calls all the time in my office from these new york uh, stockbroker guys trying to sell me stocks and things back when you know it's just like (laughs) maybe you talk to him (laughs) oh i don't know you know it's just so they were but they were they were good i mean they were bad but they were good in the same respect but i remember the line i used to start using to say I only invest in cars. What kind of car can you sell me today? And that would usually stop them. Although a few people would say, I've got stocks that are related to the car industry. Let me tell you. So (laughs) I said, hey, that was a good answer. Nobody's had that answer before. So there you go. But I said, I don't buy stocks. I buy cars. So what kind of car do you have to sell for me today? Yeah. Uh, I like to play with them a little bit. So I'm going to let you go on the ultimate drive today, which means I have the magic power to put you in any vehicle you'd like with anybody you would like, living or deceased, and you can go anywhere you'd like. So what does that ultimate drive look like for Maggie? Oh, sure. That's a tough one, too. You got the hard questions today, Mark. (laughs) I would say- It's perfect for you. (laughs) Good training. (laughs) Yeah. I would probably take my husband, and I would say my, if I could pick anything, it would be a 1960s split-screen Volkswagen camper bus. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I love them so much. I would love to own one someday. That's probably what I would do, is I I would go somewhere with him, maybe on a beach, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, we talked in our pre-show chat about you loving California, so maybe yes. you drive up the coast highway, Highway 1, Yes, you know, north of uh, L.A., uh, all the way up into Oregon and Washington. I've done that drive many times. I uh, did it in a very small uh, uh, 550 Spider with my son when he was only eight. The car had no top, oh. no heater. Yeah, <laughs> five-day road trip. It was really, really great. That's awesome. The thing you're going to learn about that, what we call Samba, that old VW bus mm-hmm. is they're horribly slow. So I know. 
It'll take a long time. Well, I was going to say for a lady who moves very fast like you, that could be uh, that could be a challenge or maybe a way to teach you to slow down to smell the flowers yeah, along the I way. I think so. I mean, I, I have yet to go to California and not see a Volkswagen bus somewhere. They're just everywhere. And oh, yeah. so that's what I love. You can we the last time I was there, there was a whole Volkswagen show going on on the oh, beach. Yeah. And we yeah. just pulled over and just walked through all the buses. And that was really amazing. And I know that they are very, very slow. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Although I I ran into a company called the Rat, uh, let's see, the Rat House, R-A-T-T-H-A-U-S-E in Germany, driving through the Black Forest. And these guys were putting Porsche are putting Porsche turbo engines in the back of VW buses and VW bugs. I mean, I like that idea. I'm going to have to Google that later. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if they still exist. This was back in 96, but uh, it was pretty crazy. We pulled over and the guy let us go for some, took us for some rides. And I'm like, oh my wow. gosh, this is crazy. But I thought it was kind of a, a fun deal. And I do have a friend here in the Pacific Northwest who built a bus for a guy. And the bus is now in, in Hawaii. It is customers Hawaiian home, but they took an OVW bus and they put a Porsche 993 engine in the back and Porsche suspension. And the thing is a total sleeper. It looks like a classic wow. old 60s bus, but it goes it goes fast. So That would be a dream come true for my husband because he loves Porsches. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll get to work on that for you guys. There yeah. you go. So before I let you go and you've taken us on a fun ride today, Maggie, could you leave us with a success quote, a mantra, some kind of inspirational thought? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I always tell people, especially when I'm training them, is that you have to remember that people don't buy cars from places. They buy cars from people. Mm. And they're not going to buy cars from people they don't like. So if you're selling cars, it's really important that you get that relationship off the ground. Don't be boring. Don't be drab. Don't make it seem like this is the worst phone call you've taken all day. And try to make sure you know, that you're friendly and you're upbeat and you're ready to go and that you actually are engaged and active listening with your customer because the most important thing is the relationship between the two of you. If you want them to come in, you have to make them feel like you can truly help them. I also think too, when it comes to the phone or even just learning something, you can, you know, have excuses or results, but you can't really have both. You need to Find your weaknesses and you need to work really hard to overcome those things, whether it be finding a trainer or reading books or listening to podcasts. There's always people out there willing to offer you free advice and help you to take that information and use it. Absolutely. Great advice. How can people learn more about you and CNM Coaching? So you can find us online. Uh, our website is uh, C&M Coaching. So C is in cat and M as in maggiecoaching.com. We also have a Facebook page. Uh, I have a podcast called Elevate with CNM Coaching as well. I'm available on all the regular uh, platforms. And then, of course, I also have a LinkedIn page. But my last name isn't the easiest to spell. So it's P-U-G-E-S-E-K. Absolutely. And you're a fellow podcaster, which is very cool. So this has been an awesome talk with you today. I want to do a shout out. Thank you to Erica Zamora at Legendary Podcast for introducing me to Maggie. Erica, thank you very much. It's been a fun talk. For you listeners that are looking for uh, some coaching advice, I think you found your source today. This would be great. Maggie, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your amazing help that you give people on an everyday basis. I think it's awesome. Coaches are spectacular. And so you and I talk again, my friend. I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much for having us, Mark. You're welcome. Here at Cars Yeah, it's all about inspiration. And our charity of choice is Tech Force Foundation, where it's all about making a positive difference in young people's lives. Tech Force helps young adults discover their talents and passions for all things automotive with a mission of helping students develop a career 
as a professional technician. TechForce awards nearly $2 million in scholarships every year for students to pursue technical education, and they support hands-on activities, events, and mentorships across the country, working to change the outdated perceptions of these careers. Autotechs are in high demand, but the supply of qualified technicians is critically short. They need your help to fuel their mission. Learn more and join me in supporting them at techforce.org. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!